why would we work in our own silos and say, oh, well, I need to get the credit for this or, oh, there's only a little bit of this. When someone tells me that, oh, well, they're going after this corporation, this big time Fortune 500 or company order to get funding, I'm like, that's great because there's more than enough funding to go out to all these different organizations. There can't be a mindset of scarcity when you truly want to impact change. Welcome to another edition of Be The Change Georgia, where we amplify the voices of the inspiring business leaders surrounding the B Corp and social impact movements across the Southeast to help you learn how to build your legacy at the intersection of people, planet, purpose, and profit. I'm Nathan Stuck, your host for today's episode, and I'm excited to bring you a conversation with Mecca Moore-Tart, who is the executive director with Startup Runway, as well as a brilliant entrepreneur, health and marriage coach, and an advocate for other female entrepreneurs. Mecca has an incredible story of leaving a successful career in medical device sales to pursue a higher calling of helping women and underrepresented founders get access to the funding, relationships, and other resources necessary to drive their economic growth. You'll learn this story, some alarming statistics of how little funding is received by underrepresented founders, the opportunities that exist to close the gap on these disparities, and what is bringing Mecca the greatest hope and inspiration to continue building momentum. I hope you enjoy this episode with Mecca as much as I did. Enjoy. Mecca, how are you doing today? Good to see you. I'm doing great, Nathan. It's good to see you as well. Thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on with us. We actually got connected recently, so and we're sitting here, and the, the light bulb went off of like, what a fun interview this would be to bring to the Be the Change Georgia series. So appreciate you hopping on. Absolutely excited to be here. One question we we love to start with, really to unpack, I guess the the true authentic selves of our guests is, what do you wish everyone understood about your work, and what ultimately drives your why? Or as I would say, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What gets me out of bed in the morning, I would say, is there's this this huge disparity when it comes to women um, receiving the funding that they need for their businesses. The same goes for minorities. So my why is that we keep continue to have the same conversation where it's 1% support, 2% of funding. And, and we still should not be having this conversation, not in 2022. And so I know that I can be a part of the change and I can make a difference and a significant impact. So that is my why. And it's the reason why I get out of bed. It is true, though. You, you hear that of the like, why are we still talking about this? Because the needle hasn't moved. So, exactly. Exactly. So digging a little bit deeper, what is it in that industry? Where are the struggles? What is the current lay of the land for those who might not know how the, the statistics that you and I are familiar with? Right, right, right. So I think it's important because... A lot of people see, especially with us being here in Atlanta, Georgia, or me being here in Atlanta, Georgia, but, oh, there's so many women business owners. There's so many men that are creating startups. There's there's all this diversity. Everyone's getting in. If you're on social media, like, everyone is successful. Everyone's a millionaire. Everybody's doing great, right? But we know behind the scenes that that is not the case. We know that really when it comes to the, the funding that women receive specifically, that is less than 2% of capital goes to women startups. And for African-American men, it's almost less than 1%. And so when you look at those numbers, those statistics, it's alarming because where is majority of the funding going to? And primarily it's 
men, white males, that majority of the funding is going to. But that doesn't mean that those that's the only talent that's out there when it comes to startups. So it's there's a huge opportunity to close the gap, to move the needle forward. And a lot of us are doing the work with the accelerators, the ecosystem. So Startup Runway works in tandem with those other organizations to ensure that we connect startups to the funding, non-dilutive capital, as well as to the investors. So we make sure that the startups are seen because a lot of times it's so easy for someone to say, Nathan, oh, you know, just get a seat at the table. Well, what if you don't know anyone at that table? What if you don't have access to anyone at the table? And that is where it boils down to is that, no, a, someone who is a minority sometimes may not be able to call a cousin who would say, hey, I need half a million dollars to start my business. That generational wealth is not there. And so that's where we're able to help connect the dots for the startup. Yeah, no, so true. And anybody who's gone through it realizes the overwhelming amount of, I don't, I never thought about that, that come out of the entrepreneurial journey. And funding is definitely one of them. But it's funny, you touched on something that that struck a chord with me because I, Lavanya Jones was on the new executive director from GSIC. And like we were joking about being silo crushers. And as you're talking about bringing all these moving pieces of the ecosystem together, that's all I could think of was like, maybe I should rename this podcast Silo Crushers. I love it. So digging back a little bit into your why, as we backpedal a little bit, you have a very interesting story in that you kind of started traditional. I think a lot of us, that we find our calling somewhere along the way, but you started in medical device sales and kind of were going this sales route and very successful and rising the corporate ladder. And then you kind of decided one day that this wasn't it. This wasn't your legacy. So walk our listeners a little bit through how you came to that conclusion and where that calling came from. Absolutely. So in medical device sales, there is also a lack of diversity when it comes to women. And when it comes to, there's a lot of pharmaceutical sales reps that are women, but when it comes to medical device sales, there's still an opportunity to close the gap when it comes to women and minorities being in medical device sales. So I went into medical device sales right out of college, Clark Atlanta University alum, HBCU in the house. And so For me, I was not exposed to even what that career was. It was literally the company at the time, Cook Medical, coming to the career fair, me walking past the table of instruments, me watching Pursuit of Happiness with um, Will Smith, and remembering him lugging around right that, that big piece of equipment and learning more about the opportunity in medical device sales. And it, listen, there were some great commission checks. I was able to to make a significant impact there, working with doctors, working with surgeons, going into patients' homes, and I really enjoyed that. And so I was a medical device host for almost 10 years. But then in that position, I was recruited into the nonprofit sector, working as the executive director of the National Sales Network. And the sole focus of that organization is increasing the number of African-American sales reps in the medical device industry, in the IT industry, IT industry, just making sure that there's more diversity in all these different sales careers and functions. And I realized that I did really enjoy the nonprofit space to wake up and to do something that I am just completely passionate about. I am unapologetic about supporting women. I am. I'm a woman. And I, I see the disparities in so many areas. I mean, look, Nathan, we're continuing to have a conversation about equal pay. We have every politician runs on that platform every single year. 
And so as long as we're still having a conversation, as long as we're still having a conversation about, about funding, as long as we're having a conversation about any disparity, that is something that I am going to be, not only be an advocate, but that I'm going to do the work. And so that transition for me, obviously being at the first nonprofit I was affiliated with, the National Sales Network, and then this opportunity to be a part of Startup Runway as the executive director and lead this organization. Walk us through that first, because uh, you've been there, what, now, a little bit over a year? I'm coming up on a year, actually, in about a month. So what, as you got in, what opportunity did you see? What what called you to Startup Runway? And what opportunities were there? And what, maybe did you get in and go like, oh, okay, we got some work to do here. So kind of talk, <laughs> talk about your first year without, you know, putting your job in jeopardy. <laughs> Sure. So I will say this. Lisa Calhoun started, founded, created Startup Runway. She created one of the first female-led venture capital firms in the state of Georgia. She is absolutely phenomenal. She's brilliant. She's a powerhouse. And so she is the one who reached out to me about this role as executive director, and I interviewed for it. But for me, I saw that this was something that she created out of her love, out of her passion, out of the need and necessity that she saw where, as a woman, as an entrepreneur, she saw that there were so many women that were not getting those opportunities. There were so many minorities that were not getting the funding in the venture capital space. And she saw the opportunity to be a part of the solution. And so for me, hearing her story, seeing her passion behind it, um, really helped me understand that there was a significant opportunity for me to be a part of the change. And so I've been very excited about this role. I've been very excited about the work and the impact that I've been able to do during this the time frame. Obviously, I will say the biggest win that has happened within the first three months of me being with Startup Runway, I was able to secure the, the grant um, through the state of Georgia, the Innovate for All grant. And that was for $250,000 for our organization. And so that allows for us to continue to do the work that we're doing. I would say I was interviewed by the most people I've ever been interviewed in my life. I thought interviewing with three different people at the same time in medical device sales was a lot. But no, that is how I actually interviewed with 20 people for this particular grant at one time. They were all on one Zoom screen. And so it's, Yeah. <laughs> That is, that is overwhelmingly intimidating. It is. <laughs> but listen, I guess they're like, $250,000 is a lot of money. We need to make sure we are betting the right person. Well, that's awesome, too. And that's some of the work that's brought you, Startup Runway, the focus broader in the state, correct? That's what's brought you, you know, because we had Jamal Lewis on from Partnership for Inclusive Innovation, and that's one of their focuses. So, you know, just knowing that, you know, looking for connections in Athens, where I live, um, it's just a, always a very cool thing where I think the rest of the state sometimes looks at Atlanta and goes like, why, why can't we have nice things? And it's great to see some of this now, this focus on the state as a whole. Absolutely. And so that's what I'm most excited about is that it's not just the, the grant allows for us to branch outside of the city of Atlanta, allows for us to focus on Savannah. It allows for us to focus on Athens. It allows for us to focus on those areas outside of the Atlanta proper area to be able to ensure that the ecosystem is tied all into, into, into get, you know, together. Um, so there's not just one area that's receiving all of the benefits when it comes to funding and investors. Especially when everybody I know uh, from Atlanta tells me, tell everybody it's closed. We're good. Um, <laughs> no more people, no more people. <laughs> so, Listen, um, I'm sure you're telling them like, hey, we're, we enjoy have, not being able to, you know, not having to sit in traffic all the time. 
I'm still, you know, my freshman year at UGA, I'm going to date myself, was 2001. I'm still waiting for that that train that was going to go from Athens to Atlanta. I'm still, I'm still waiting. Yeah, for that. yeah, yeah. We're finally getting the traffic lights off 316, so we'll take that as a start. Um, <laughs> so um, as you go in day to day and you meet with your team and, and, and Lisa and everybody on the board, like what's encouraging your team right now and what maybe gives you a little pause or a little, I think we all know what's keeping us up at night right now, but what, what's also encouraging, what's the uplifting part that you look at as you walk in on your day to day? I would say the opportunity we have to truly grow the organization by leaps and bounds and it being this, this huge organization that is able to not only help women and minority startups, that are here in Georgia, but, you know, being able to reach startups all over the U.S. And so I think the opportunity that we have to grow the organization is something that's very exciting. The opportunity to partner, there's so many corporate headquarters here in Georgia. So the opportunity to partner with those corporate headquarters that are truly invested in in ensuring that they're investing in minority women-owned businesses, they're truly invested in diversity, and diversity inclusion is not just this word that sounds good. It's not just a buzzword, but they're actually doing the work and they're doing it in the community through the startups. That is what makes the difference because it's connected to the people. And entrepreneurship is about connecting and serving the people in whatever capacities. You have all these different jobs that are created through the businesses that are started by these startups. And so when a corporation like many of the corporate headquarters that are here in Georgia says, we do want to partner with Startup Runway because we see the work and the impact that they're making. It allows for us to continue to expand, expand our mission and to be able to continue to provide more opportunities to more startups. Yeah, and to uplift and empower an organization that's doing the work. That's the one interesting thing I've seen over the last four or five years, and especially it being so plugged into the Atlanta scene is it's not people trying to reinvent the wheel. It's, it's people seeing an organization, the project or startup runway has been around 2016, I believe, and seeing the work, seeing the track record and saying here, you can use this better than we could probably come up with our own idea. So keep, continue your work. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So the president and CEO of the Black Women's Health Imperative recently posted an article from CNBC that talked about how company diversity efforts fall are falling short and that Black women are in, quote, survival mode in the workplace. And some of the key points were that Black women aren't being approached or supported for promotions, and they're certainly not being elevated into the greatest positions of deserved and earned leadership influence. What are some of the structural changes needed in the workplace? And I mean, we can focus in the workplace, but also, you know, in the startup ecosystem as well. And how big is the opportunity around entrepreneurship and business ownership for underrepresented women to drive this structural change from within as they elevate to higher positions of leadership? Absolutely. So it is interesting that this article, you talked about how Black women aren't being approached and supported for those promotions. But it's also not surprising. I will say this, that as a Black woman, I can speak as a Black woman because I'm a Black woman, but as a Black woman, I find that a lot of times what's missing is, again, we talked about, I spoke about earlier, even with entrepreneurs, is that if you don't know anyone at the table that's able to have the influence, you don't have a seat at the table, Um, it's very difficult for you to have any progress. And so specifically in corporate America, which this article calls out, where there's 
basically this lack of promotions and support by black women, it may be that they do not have a mentor that has a C role at that table. It might be that they do not have the, the opportunity to connect because they are the only. And I wanna, I wanna talk about this for a quick second. No one enjoys being the only. Even if you've hired that one phenomenal African-American woman to work within your company, she does not enjoy being the only when she goes to the conferences. And I can speak to that because in medical device sales at the time when I was brought in, I was the only African-American sales rep in my entire division. And so when you go into those rooms and you're the only one that looks like you at the conferences, at the meetings, it really puts you in a place where you feel really alone and you don't feel supported. And so what I would say to that is that companies really have to do a better job when it comes to hiring. I have heard a major corporation come out and say that they had not hired any diverse candidates because they, the talent wasn't there. But now I've seen recently with that same company, there was opportunities to hire talented minorities, but the interviews were almost mock interviews. The interviews weren't even set up. And so that is something that starts from top down. That is not something that is learned. That is something that where it comes from top down, whether it's the managers, the regionals. And so in order to truly create the changes, I feel like there has to be metrics put around it. And that's when I've noticed changes, not just that we're having this conversation saying, hey, we're going to hire you know, more minorities, we're going to hire more women, but there, that there's actually metrics and incentives put in place when it comes to ensuring that the right candidates, that the best candidates, the qualified candidates are actually put in place for those different positions. The same thing goes for when we talk about startups and entrepreneurs as ensuring that companies that, again, it's not just this buzzword that sounds great, oh, we're diversifying, or there's this big number, oh, we're throwing out a hundred million to black women owned businesses. But what we find is that it was great from a PR standpoint. It sounded fabulous when it was put in a press release, but it's not really getting in the hands of the entrepreneurs of the startups to actually really, really need the funding. And it takes work. It does take work. It is not something that is easy. It's something that you actually have to hire a person that's gonna be over this, hire a person that's gonna be over this and actually manage this task and manage the metrics around it if you are really truly advocating change and increasing diversity within your organization. Yeah, it has to be a KPI that is as, as important as your revenue numbers. And if it's not treated as such, if it's a nice to have, it won't, it won't get done. It won't get done properly. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and I, and you touched on something else too, that I, I love if I always say quantify, I'm a big B Corp nerd. And that's the beauty of the process is quantifying things, but companies, even you talked about the startup ecosystem and here's the percentage of funding. It's now you have a tangible number to look at in five years of how much have we moved the needle? How, how effective has this work been? And if it's 3%, maybe that's great. And maybe that's also time to say it's good, but we can pivot, we can do this, we can iterate. And just same way you would run a business based off those numbers is the way you can, we can all get better at this. Right. And numbers is numbers are, that's what makes sense, right? That's what we're all tracked on. That's what we're all measured on. So we know at Startup Runway that we've been able to disperse out $330,000 in non-dilutive capital. We know, we know that we've screened over a thousand startups over the years. We know that we've had 131 startups that have actually been finalists that have gone through our process. So we know 
these are the hardcore numbers. This is how we know that we're able to move the needle forward because we also have a responsibility to the work that we're doing. It sounds nice to say, okay, we're ensuring that more women and minorities have opportunities to get to funding and have access to investors, but what are the real numbers? And our startups that have gone through our process have gone on to raise around $40 million. That is a real number. $40 million is a real number because that's when we are able to say, okay, we've made the impact. We've made the influence. We are creating generational wealth within these communities because of the work that we're doing. And that's in tandem with working with ATDC, in tandem with working with the Russell Center for Inclusive Innovation. So it's working with those other organizations that are also doing the work to make sure that we're identifying the best startups that are coming out of those programs. Well, it's one little happy ecosystem. I love the ATL Unlocked events they've been having too. It's just the bouncing around. <laughs> just the, again, the walls are coming down in Atlanta where I think we're we're more, we're, we're not protecting our little piece of pie. We're just saying like, whoa, if we all got together, we could make a really big pie. Absolutely. Because a mindset of scarcity is never going to truly impact growth in a way. I believe that the calling and the passion that you have within your organization, the calling and passion that I have and what I have been called to do within this organization, it's, it's very different and only you can do the work that you're doing, but we can work together in order to truly make a significant impact and change. There's so much that needs to be done. Why would we work in our own silos and say, oh, well, I need to get the credit for this or, oh, there's only a little bit of this. When someone tells me that, oh, well, they're going after this, not this, um, this corporation, this big time Fortune 500 or company order to get funding. I'm like, that's great because there's more than enough funding to go out to all these different organizations. There's not, there can't be a mindset of, of scarcity when you truly want to impact change. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And we can do more together with that collaboration, that collaborative effort, energy, whatever, the innovation that comes out of that, I think is a win for everybody. Yeah, you're right. So it's all about the abundance mindset. Speaking of which, just a random question, because so every time I talk to you, I'm always like enthralled with the conversation and the wisdom that comes out. So I was just kind of curious, too, is like, where do you continue? I mean, everybody's on, on a learning journey, but where do you where, what are your go to's for inspiration, education and just kind of thought leadership? Absolutely. So for me, I would say I am a new mommy again. And so I have a six month at six month old boy at home. And uh, for me, I would say, honestly, he inspires me to push forward, to show up as the best version of myself. I want for my children to be proud of their mother, but also because kids model their parents. I want to make sure that I am creating a path where they're able to look up and say, wow, my mother did this, so I can do this too. And so that serves as a huge point of inspiration for me. As far as what I look to as far as to continue to learn, I am big on asking questions, pulling on mentors, identifying new mentors, because as you grow in your career, you may need a different mentor. Because one person who served you in a specific space in your life may not be the same person you would go back to in, in this particular season of your life where you are. And so for me, it's the mentorship piece is very, very big. I'm very much and have always have been this way. I'm very much of a hands-on person. So that's why the mentorship, the conversations, I have a life strategist, Sherry Rowley has been someone that I have been working with over the past three years. And that is good for me. Because not only is she a mentor, but she is someone who says, 
Mecca, those that list of 15 different goals that you're trying to accomplish this year, absolutely not. You need to narrow that list down to five. And so she is able to help me work through that, identify what's most important, and then also what is going to make the biggest impact. And I think that it's important that every single individual, whether you're a man or a woman, that you have your personal board of advisors. And for me, that represents my life strategist. It represents my amazing therapist. There is nothing wrong with therapy. I highly recommend it because I, I also feel that leaders sometimes, it's, depending on your circle, it's, it can be difficult to be transparent. It's, or it can be difficult when you are the person who everyone else is leaning on. So if you are that person that everyone else goes to it, goes to for advice, it's very rare sometimes for, for you to actually be able to lean in the other direction. So that's why I think therapists, having a therapist is really important. And having that support system of, of like-minded people that are able to grow and stretch is important. So having that personal advisory board, I think is so very important. My trainer is included in that too, because look, he, he makes sure that I'm, because there's a connection between physical and mental, very much so for me. When my body is moving, my mind is moving, I'm able to be disciplined in every area of my life. I love that. And I, by the way, you made me laugh too, because I all I could think of was seeing Joey Womack one time with his All Founders Need Therapy shirt on. <laughs> and that's one of my favorite <laughs> shirts. So, um, but I'm also, it's also Absolutely. one of the, the beautiful things that has come out of, I, I hate to say a beautiful thing that came out of COVID, but I think recognizing that most of us aren't okay. And those of us in this space that, that take on a lot of ambitious 15 or 16 annual goals, it, it, it will begin to wear on you and that support system. And I think it's Absolutely. important to, for people to hear someone like you say that. So I thank you for being candid and vulnerable and, and sharing that because it's important. Absolutely. And I try to bring it home because ironically, my husband is a very good and very well-known therapist here in Atlanta, Dr. Aldewan Tart. And we have a very strict rule in our household and he cannot be my therapist, right? He is supposed to show up as my husband, Nathan, not as my therapist. And we established that rule when we were dating. And so because of that, it behooves me to ensure that I have my own hired therapist and that my husband can stay in the husband role. It's so hard as a, as a partner because I find that any complaint about work that I get from my wife and I'm like, okay, so what's the deal? Let's whiteboard this. And she's like, no, I just want you to listen. Right, <laughs> right, right. And that is and that is what you're supposed to do as a husband. <laughs> it's hard though. It's hard. I'm a problem solver. Let's solve it. Um, <laughs> so before we wrap, I love to ask every guest, what's one question you wish I would have asked you today? That is a, that's a great question. And What's one question that I wish you would have asked? And obviously you get to answer it too, so. Sure. So I would say probably what is the, the greatest struggle or the greatest challenge in this space? And I would say for me, the greatest struggle or challenge is truly helping companies understand the importance of investing in these startups why it's so interconnected, why it's extremely important. Because even when you talk about supplier diversity, if you don't support the startups from the ground level up, right, that are that are in this building stage with this non-dilutive capital, it's not where we're going to get some type of buy-in to their company. This is truly non-dilutive capital that they're getting to help grow their organization. That 
investment helps with ensuring that you have more companies when it comes to supplier diversity within your organization. And so helping them understand the importance of investing in Startup Runway and the influence and impacting, I would say, is probably one of the greatest challenges for, especially for corporations that have never done this or been in this space, and moving the mindset out of, okay, these are the three standard nonprofits that we always give back to every year. It's, it's broadening their, their thought process around why they should invest why they should support the work that we're doing as a nonprofit here at Startup Runway. That's awesome. Thank you. That brings it home too. Fantastic. For our listeners too, where can they find you if they wanted to? I mean, I think if anybody is listening, um, quite honestly, they probably want to follow you on social media right now. So what, uh, is it LinkedIn? Is it, is it, are we, are we on the gram? I don't, I, I only do LinkedIn. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm very outdated. That's so funny. So, <laughs> So yes, I am on LinkedIn, which is you can find me at Mecca More Tart, and that's two T's on the end. So Mecca More Tart, and my Instagram is the same, and you will see all things, everything that I'm focused in on, which is the nonprofit. You'll see my work that I do with women and health and wellness, also um, a weekend for love, which is the luxury marriage retreat my husband and I put on because we have a heart for marriage. And so you can follow me at Mecca More Tart. And then my website is the same, which is Mecca More Tart. And then Startup Runway, you can follow me there if you are a startup or if you are an investor or if you are a company who is interested in being a part of the change that we're making here at Startup Runway. Fantastic. I like the branding too. Just kept it simple across all platforms. <laughs> so thank you, um, Nathan. Well, this has been so much fun. I hate that I have to like, it like has to end. I'm mean, just, I learned a lot and uh, I, I'm assuming our listeners did as well. So thank you so much. Thank you, Nathan. No, I appreciate you and I appreciate Jeff and, and the opportunity to, to yeah, touch, touch bases with your audience. Yeah. And we're going to, we'll, we'll all change the world together. So incrementally, so lots, lots to do, Absolutely. but it won't change without us uh, taking the first step. So um, thank you for your leadership Absolutely. in this space and your passion and your wisdom. And thanks for sharing it with us. Thank you, Nathan. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mecca. Well, that wraps up another edition of Be The Change Georgia. We're grateful as always for the opportunity to serve you with this content and grow this incredible community of purpose-driven B Corp leaders. If you haven't already, we would be grateful for you to rate the show wherever you get your podcast by simply tapping the number of stars you think it deserves and sharing it with a friend. This helps us get the word out and continue to use our collective influence as a force for good. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the help from our production team at Chat With Leaders Media. Learn how you can launch your own podcast to grow your business at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again for listening, and now go be a leader worth following. Oh,